0: Welcome to Radio ABNET. Welcome to ABNET's Distributing Wisdom Podcast, where the brightest minds in the electronic components industry examine the many ways that distribution drives innovation. Our industry has evolved and grown significantly, so we're bringing together leaders who can share their wisdom as we tackle today's unique challenges and examine how our past is driving our future. On this season of Distributing Wisdom, we'll be bringing together experts from across the electronic components industry, including Avnet, to discuss how they're currently tackling the challenges we face today. I'm your host, Heather Vanna. On today's episode, we host a critical discussion on the major issues and challenges facing the high-tech logistics industry. Our first guest today is Caven Coe. Vice President of Logistics Operations at Abnet APAC. Hello, Kaven. Please introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about your role at Abnet.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Kaven Koh. i am with Abnet for about five years, and I've been in this industry, supply chain, logistics, operation for more than 28 years.
0: Thanks, Kaven. So to kick off, what are some of the bigger issues in high-tech logistics that you're seeing today that we may not have seen in previous years?
1: I think in the past, companies are always trying to uh, centralize operation. And that, obviously, we know that it's because of cost. When you centralize, you have a better control, better visibility, management, and you can share costs across many, many things. The infrastructure, people, and, and all that. Nevertheless, in the last two or three years, due to the COVID situation, and we know there's a lot of very strict restrictions, uh, different country lockdown. And that actually uh, triggers management to rethink again. Centralized versus decentralized, the pros and the cons. For example, today you will see that in many, many occasions when there's a lockdown, there's a certain restriction, everything stops. It's a major supply chain disruption. So right now, a lot of companies are looking at, is it better to have decentralized so that each of the individual factories itself the supply chain they are able to self sufficient to support what whatever business required in that particular location so right now i think decentralized it might be a bit more expensive sometimes but in terms of risk management it is a very important point of course having a strong dcp that's another very critical part where it's not just on the surface it has to be tested not only uh, just on particular area, but in fact, really go down to the systems, the people in terms of the process and everything, how we can very quickly reactivate when something is totally down. And and that is, is very important and it really takes time to build up a very strong BCP.
0: For our listeners who may not be familiar with a BCP, can you explain what that is and the basic elements involved in creating one?
1: So BCP basically is a business continuity plan and a lot of time, people just focus on certain area. But BCP, we have to really look at in terms of system, even finance, tax, trade compliance. Because if we are going to activate something very different from our today's current operation, we have to be very careful with trade compliance, legal. where we have to change a total due process, so it's really an end-to-end kind of BCP that we need.
0: So how have you approached those conversations with customers around their BCPs, considering it's not necessarily a direct ROI in the short term, but more focused on long-term strategy?
1: For BCP, because this is really important for a company, and it's usually it's more like a top-down kind of process where it's fully supported by the top management. This is very critical. And in a BCP, usually you will have the region or even the whole company CEO heavily involved at the top and supported by all the experts and function group. So each of the function group will then go into their own area of expertise, what they need when something happens. And of course, for any BCP, it is always also, the final decision is from the CEO, president. Okay, we now have to trigger that BCP because you cannot have anybody just, oh, now it's the BCP time, we just switch because it's going to impact uh, everywhere, you know, know, the business, the customers, the suppliers. So more support from the top management.
0: So how can logistics leaders better navigate that dynamic between just-in-time and just-in-case?
1: In fact, whether it's a just-in-time or just-in-case, for example, during the 1980s, 70s, 80s, it makes sense to have a just-in-time because that really uh, it, it helps in you know, the cash flow, it helps in the inventory, the whole cycle, the lead time and all that. So it makes sense to have a JIT. So it's really more of looking at the whole market environment So today, as we know, everywhere, we are facing global component shortage. We are facing a lot of supply chain disruption. So with with that, if we are too lean, in terms of our inventory, we we could get into big trouble anytime. So a lot of companies right now is trying to stock up more than what is required. So we call it just in case. I, I, I must say today, because of this situation in the world, Eventually, when the whole market stabilizes, it will pose future risk of a lot of excess inventory. Just imagine everybody trying to stock up 30%. So suddenly everybody was like, oh, everywhere we have an excess stock, and, and this poses a, a big risk to everyone. So it's important for us to really mitigate this risk, although we want to keep more stock, but probably we have to look at what are the stocks that we need to keep. For example, super long lead time item or a component that share across many customers. So those stocks, even you keep the kind of certain level, min, max, at least we can mitigate the risk when the situation stabilizes. And of course, I, I must say that speed to market is important as well. Having more stocks, it helps to mitigate certain lead time risks as well. And I think the more important part is for companies to really look into operational efficiency one of the way through automation as this will help uh, when there's a manpower crunch uh, in terms of cost long term it will actually help the company and of course in any kind of this kind of situation collaboration between the customer and suppliers are critical
0: thank you Kevin can you talk a bit more about the importance of relationships in the supply chain why is it important to manage and maintain relationships
1: A lot of people, when they talk about logistics, ah, it's a point A, ship to point B. It's something very direct and simple, but in fact, it's not that simple because a lot of time in logistics, other than just collaboration, communication is very key. They are the frontliner. They have a lot of market news about the, the shipping, which airline having problem, which having restriction. And if we have that very close communication, we will be able to manage our supply chain much better. So this is very crucial. And the the forwarder, usually they have, the shipper, the forwarder, they have millions, millions of customers. It's not possible for them to reach out to everyone. So that relationship is important. So it's more of who you know more than just what we know. And even to invite them to understand the company operation, our company's needs during the non-crisis time. And that will help them to further understand how they can support us in terms of business in the long-term plan. Of course, getting our internal department involved is very critical as well. For example, uh, not just logistics, but our tax department, customs, uh, trade compliance, legals, and and all this. To work very closely together, that's critical to have a successful kind of partnership.
0: Absolutely. And what do those conversations look like with Avnet customers? How does Avnet approach those conversations from a logistics standpoint? One
1: well, of the things that we do is also inviting the supplier and the customers to also invite them to our factory, our distribution center, for them to understand our operation. And with that discussion, we can actually collaborate together as well. So with the customer, with the suppliers, with the forwarder, so that it's very complete kind of uh, visibility that we're trying to create.
0: So to wrap up here, what are some of the top considerations that our listeners should be thinking about when it comes to logistics?
1: The key thing today is to have very good visibility throughout the whole supply chain, and that needs a lot of collaboration from end to end. With the current situation, especially COVID, we don't know what will happen next. So we have to be very agile, we must be flexible, we must be able to react very fast. Uh, So with that, having a good pipeline visibility will help everyone. And to have that visibility, the partnership, collaboration, trust, is also, again, a very important factor. When I say partnership and relationship, during non-crisis, a lot of times we just look at cost and then we say, oh, this folder probably a little bit more expensive. I'm going to change another new folder. When you change a new folder, you build up a new relationship. You, have, you have start from scratch to build a relationship again. Okay. So we forgot that the previous forwarder had been supporting us through many crises. And, and it's because of that kind of trust built up in the past year. For example, I uh, just quote an example, let's say during this uh, COVID, the whole supply chain disrupted, nothing moved. But because we know the forwarder, they are willing to work extra amount. They, in fact, while everybody is sleeping midnight, they are helping us to load up all the goods and move in the different routing because they have the connection, they are moving a different routing and giving Fnet priority. There are many customers asking for help, but they are supporting Fnet because they said Fnet has been with them for many years and they really treasure this relationship. So I, I think this relationship is really built up through times.
0: On today's episode, we're joined by Elliot Rabinovich, Avnet Professor of Supply Chain Management at the W.P. Carey School of Business at Arizona State University. Elliot will provide some additional insight around strategies to consider when evaluating supply chain logistics. Elliot, thanks so much for joining us. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your background and what you do at ASU?
2: My name is Elliot Rabinovich. I'm the Avnet Professor of Supply Chain Management at the W.P. Carey School of Business at Arizona State University and I joined ASU in 2001. My focus is on business-to-consumer part of the supply chain and particularly interested in the role of technology and internet applications in that space and how they shape operations and strategies in that part of the supply chain.
0: Great, thank you. You mentioned that your area of focus has an emphasis on the last mile, so can you talk a little bit about what that means and outline some of the differences between first, middle, and last mile when it comes to addressing the supply chain?
2: Last mile is uh, all the supply chain operations that involve the consumer. You know, it could be deliveries, returns, operations at brick and mortar locations like uh, stores, fulfillment centers, whose purpose is to serve the end consumer. The difference between that part of the supply chain and what Sometimes, oftentimes it's referred to as the middle mile and the first mile is that the consumer involvement in those two parts of the supply chain is significantly diminished. In the first mile of the supply chain, you're dealing with shipments of very large lot sizes, container ships, cargo ships that may come from suppliers overseas, Uh, very interesting challenges involved in that space, particularly when you have to shut down ports of origin due to restrictions imposed by local governments. The middle mile often involves rail transportation, uh, motor carrier transportation, again, large shipments, that take the products from a port of origin or a regional supplier to markets closer to where consumers reside for final distribution or access by consumers at retail stores that are located in those markets.
0: Thank you for that overview. So let's step back a bit and talk in more detail about what kind of strategies come into play around last mile logistics. How have those strategies shifted over the last three to five years?
2: The last three or five years have been marked by, obviously, COVID, greater awareness of points of fragility in the supply chain, greater interest in having supply chains that are more resilient to disruptions. That's one major trend. Another trend involves the use of labor. The importance, obviously, of labor at the front lines of the supply chain, delivery workers or warehouse workers are integral to the functioning of supply chains. So the importance of labor has certainly increased. Labor shortages have played a role. Large turnover rates have played a role, coupled with pressures on the labor front, You also have pressures on the energy front, which have been increasingly moving the design and construction of distribution centers, places an increasingly greater role on energy consumption. The use of renewable energies is becoming more important. In the transportation front, uh, last mile distribution firms making a big push to increasingly use electric vehicles, with an understanding that all these uh, energy pressures that result in gas price increases are extremely disruptive. So that's another factor. Underlying everything else, you have a greater interest and a greater use of technology from technology that has become really pervasive, like navigation systems, to the increased use of technology at distribution centers, also autonomous vehicles and driverless technology. You know, those are kind of the the major trends that I see. And obviously, a much greater interest in um, resiliency.
0: Thank you, Elliot. That's certainly a lot to consider. And I know that increased resiliency is a theme we've seen across a number of episodes in this season. For many organizations, partnering with third-party vendors as a part of that resilience strategy and fostering and maintaining those relationships becomes key. Can you talk a bit more about the importance of these relationships?
2: Supply chains have very fundamental principles that govern how they're managed and basically involve a fine-tuned ability to innovate, change, and transform. So, in, in these relationships with uh, third-party logistics firms, you're gonna see an engagement to ensure that there is a continuous flow of innovation and transformation to adapt to future challenges. Currently, in in, in over the past few years, third-party logistics providers are being asked to do a lot more. In terms of service and availability, more flexible delivery windows, greater reliability, the ability to offer much more inclusiveness in terms of services, more flexible set of offerings, and also a more inclusive portfolio of offerings.
0: That's really interesting. And I would imagine it's that pressure from the end customer who requires these changes that's pushing third-party logistics organizations in these new directions. How are relationships managed when customers introduce needs that may cause friction in an already existing system?
2: Well, I think a lot of it depends on the size of the customer. There are companies that are very large in size, which obviously have a lot more power and in some cases, even these large companies, the third-party logistics providers do not have the ability to accommodate what these large companies need. At the same time, you know you have you know, smaller firms that have needs that are more easily addressed, but may not have the, the power, the bargaining power, to get the type of response in terms of cost, for example, That would make it attractive for them to rely on third party logistics providers?
0: Yeah, that's definitely a challenge and one that will likely need to be managed over the long term. So, shifting slightly, what would you say are some of the top considerations that supply chain leaders should be thinking about when it comes to adjusting their logistics strategies?
2: You know, right now, I think the industry is in a place where the third party logistics providers are trying to rebalance supply chains by returning to basics, while the ongoing disruptions and strategic misalignments and labor challenges are straining their relationships. And so that, in a nutshell, is is basically the picture. And so with that background, I think both shippers and third-party logistics providers are expecting more from technology. To be able to absorb the disruption in human talent that is increasingly harder to find. And you know, if you think about it, there is a whole team of people behind the driver and the vehicles. You have maintenance workers, dispatchers, you know, all kinds of people who are also working behind the scenes. So that's certainly a stressor in these relationships. And, and so companies are basically trying to find out a way to address these these challenges. Another thing to keep in mind is that, you know, historically over the past few years, uh, shippers are consolidating the number of third-party logistics providers that they use. So that, you know, there's the greater expectation that a third-party logistics provider is going to be able to offer sophisticated, effective technology solutions.
0: Well, thank you again, Elliot. As we start to wrap, Are there any other factors to consider when thinking about supply chain and logistics strategies for the near future?
2: It's going to take time for these very complex systems to adjust back to what's considered a steady state. And and the, the pressures in the supply chain are different depending on the stage where you are. So I've been talking about the last mile, but if you go to the first mile, In a sense, the realities in that part of the supply chain are a little different from the downstream end of the supply chain. They're complex also because they have a lot of stakeholders involved. They touch many people, many parts of the economy. So it's going to take a while for this system to stabilize, at least to the way it was five years ago, for example.
0: I want to thank Kaven and Elliot again for taking the time to provide some additional insight around the logistics strategies that are shaping our supply chains today. To learn more about distributing wisdom and to read more about this topic, please visit avnet.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. Until next time.